0: So this is the last week of our Arise and Shine series where we've been discovering that God has empowered us through his Holy Spirit to just rise up, that his glory has been put on us, as Isaiah said, so that you and I can shine, that this is our time for us to rise up and to begin to display the glory, the love, the truth of God in our life. You know, I love movies where there is an epic battle, I'm so predictable, but I love those kinds of movies where there's an epic battle. Now it doesn't have to have swords. It can be something about social change. I mean, it could be something that's happening in the locker room or on the field. But I like it when there's these giant epic moments in a movie. Lord of the Rings has them and and it's incredible. Braveheart, if you like watching William Wallace and and just men acting crazy and fighting for freedom and all the wonderful things. Braveheart movie. If you're a little bit older in my category, there's nothing like watching John Wayne in a harm's way. An incredible movie. And then there's The Patriot. But one of the things that all these movies have in common is that the leader of the event, this epic movement, this epic battle, usually comes out and gives a speech. And the speech is always something that, that goes deep into the human soul and, and begins to move you to action. And as I was thinking of it, I, I was thinking about all the speeches. I was thinking them that none of all the speeches that I've heard was as inspiring a speech as that which was made by the 42nd president of these United States. Let's watch.
1: Good morning. Good morning. In less than an hour, aircraft from here will join others from around the world. And you will be launching the largest aerial battle in the history of mankind. Mankind, that word should have new meaning for all of us today can't be consumed by our petty differences anymore we will be united in our common interest perhaps it's fate that today is the 4th of July and you will once again be fighting for our freedom not from tyranny oppression or persecution but from annihilation we're fighting for our right to live our Independence
0: Day. Oh man, man, what a good president he was. Man, the f- James Whitmore, what incredible. As you know, it's too bad that an amazing speech like that was wasted on an alien attack but we won the war and, and we go on. But, you know, in real life, the image of an idea and communicating that image was incredibly important for a battle or for some social change to take place. The leader of that moment would have to convey the potential of the moment, the power of it, the position that these individuals had in this moment. The real ones that affected real change in our lives were like that of Matthew Henry who said, give me liberty or give me death. Frederick Douglass when his incredible speech What to the slave is the 4th of July helped spur on the freeing of Americans. Lincoln's Gettysburg Address. Winston Churchill, we shall fight on the beaches, speech that he gave. Martin Luther King Jr., I have a dream. John F. Kennedy, we shall go to the moon and do these things, not because they're easy, but because they're hard. I'm sorry, I'm from Massachusetts, I'm allowed to do that. Some of you are like, don't be making fun of JFK. (laughs) And then there's Ronald Reagan, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. These were all great speeches that were not just rhetoric, but they reflected a movement, they, affected, they reflected a battle in our society, things that needed to change, and they reflected the potential of the moment, the power of it, and the position in time that these individuals had. And Jesus had a moment just like this, when he conveyed the idea of arise and shine. And Like any great leader, and in my heart, the greatest of all leaders, he gathered together his team, and they were all assembled. And he wanted to convey the potential of this thing called the gathering, or what we say in the English word, the church. He wanted to tell them what their potential was. He wanted to convey to them the power that they were going to be given to effect change. He wanted to convey to them their position in the earth and in time and in human history. He wanted them to know how significant it was going to be. So he looked for imagery to describe what they were. to plant it into their minds so that they could visualize what the church was. And in Matthew 5, 14, we hear the immortal words as he speaks to this group of people. He says, you are the light of the world. A city set on the hill cannot be hidden. It is unstoppable. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The image of the potential and the power and the position of a city was one that was very clear to the disciples. I don't know where exactly Jesus was standing when this took place, but it is very possible that as he's communicating to his disciples that over his left shoulder that the city of Jerusalem is in the background. And Jerusalem served as a center of worship, a center of society, a center of religion and commerce. But maybe it wasn't Jerusalem that Jesus was alluding to. Maybe it was the presence of the Roman army that served to remind of this incredible empire that derived its name from its capital city. See, a lot of us, if you're looking into history, Rome as a city existed before Rome as an empire existed. It's an ancient city. But can you imagine the power of a city so much so that the elements of that city become the definition of the empire? And Jesus is saying the same thing about the church. He's saying, You are a city. And the city will determine the quality of experience of the empire, the kingdom of God on this planet. And we are called the city of God. That's what we are. I think too often we see Christianity as a process. Too often we see it as something in the terms of salvation. Are you going to go to heaven? Are you going to avoid hell? but I want you to hear what the writer of Hebrews chapter 12 says about the idea of what the city of God is, the church of God, as he begins to describe it. And it's going to sound totally weird to you because it's not a concept that we've conveyed with accuracy, with clarity, with potential, with power, and with position. But listen to what God says about where you have arrived. He said, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood of Christ. It's like, this is what you've come to. This is not just an option play of the top three religions on planet Earth. This is not just another version, well, you can do this one, you can do this one, you can do this one, and all of them are kind of like away. But what Jesus is saying very clear that you have come to the city of God, that we are the new Jerusalem, we are the people of God that we can not be hid. We are unstoppable. I mean, just look at the history all the way from the time of Jesus. Think of all the changes that have happened on the planet. And maybe at times it was incredibly dis- disorganized, and at times it was misrepresented, particularly in the Holy Wars. But the church has always been there. You know, it, it, it's taken the bombardment of atheists and pagans and, and whatever contradiction we see in science or other religions or people groups, the true church, not, not, not the, necessarily the thing that we see in Rome or in the Bible Belt today, but the real true stones of the living God, the true believers, the ones who are following after Christ, who are rising and shining with the truth and love of God, Jesus says that is unstoppable. John described the church, the city of God, this way. And he, and he, and he described its potential and power and position. And in Revelation 21, he's looking at this idea called church. He's looking at this thing called the city of God. He's looking at us. And we don't totally understand because it's a vision type of thing. He says, and I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. That this city didn't need a building. That this city had God, and it had the Lamb of God. And that was its dwelling place. And the city has no need of a sun or a moon to shine on it. It doesn't need some external luminary. For the glory of God gives it light. And its lamp is the lamb, and by its light will the nations walk. It's exactly what Isaiah saw when he said, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. That's who we are. We are an unstoppable force on this planet. And Jesus saw the collective works of those who rise and shine with truth and the love of God and the impact that that city could make and how it could not be overcome. And he said it in Matthew 16 as he was talking to this, this young church, this young gathering, as he was speaking to them. And he didn't say, we shall not go into the night. But what he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell itself shall not prevail against it. The church is unstoppable and that's what we are. That's what we're a part of. We are not only called as individuals to experience the love of God, we are called collectively. We are called the church collectively. Together, we exponentially leverage the influence of Christ. And I know some of you may be like, whoa, whoa. We're not, we can't do things better than Jesus. No, we exponentially leverage the works of christ and jesus said it himself in john fourteen twelve. he said truly truly i say to you whoever believes in me will also do the works that i do and greater works than these will he do because i am going to my father that so when we're gathered together when we're working together when we shine together we exponentially leverage the influence of christ on planet earth you know, and I, I think about us here at Crosstown. You know, here at Crosstown, we are part of the, the city. We are part of the city of God. It's God, us, it's, and and we're part of that reflection here at Crosstown where, as we gather together. And I began to look over our history and, you know, think about the things that we have done and how we rise and shine Thereby our heavenly Father is glorified. And I know a lot of people will say, ah, you're just that church that floods. That's all you are. And you know, and when we were flooded, I had had people come up to me and say, well, you know, the first time I get it, but the second time, maybe you guys need to get the message. Uh, The third time, maybe God's trying to tell you that that Charleston doesn't need Crosstown. That the world doesn't need uh, the city of God, or part of the expression of the city of God. So it compelled me to think about how you have rose and shined with the, with the love of God. You know, and, and maybe you've been here just a short while, but, but maybe you've been here a long time, but I want you to hear how we collectively, things that we could not have done individually, that, that collectively that we've done over the years. We have had campaigns against sex trade and had activism through different ministries to help set free young men and young women. We have sent missions work to Honduras where we're, we built a school and we also built a church in Honduras after the great hurricane. We sent missions work and, it, and went to Haiti, trips to help orphans after the great earthquake. And even after our second flood, instead of you using the money to try to make this building a better building, you decided that let's take all the money the other churches were donating for us and donate it to an orphanage in Haiti. And we had a campaign called the Not One Cent Campaign and we sent all of our money to Haiti. You did that. That's the church of God. That's the city of God. We have sent missions trips and support to Burma, most of us don't even know where it is. Through the ministry, remember, medical trips, building an orphanage, consistent financial support. That's what we do. Should we rebuild the building? Should Crosstown just disappear and go away? We have sent and supported missions in Thailand for over 10 years. We have sent missions to India through the Unbound Ministry and have affected thousands and trained churches on how to do ministry in India. You did that. This little flooding church, this 10,000 square foot building with its people inside of it, that's what you do. Should we just go into the night? Should we just disappear? There's been walk for water campaigns that we've been a part of. Blood water missions that we have supported. Cairo's prison ministry, looking at Tony as he's gone into the different prisons around the Low Country when nobody else would. And how you helped and you got involved. And yes, maybe for you it was just baking cookies so that he could take them to the prisoners. But it was a rising and a shining with the love and the truth of God. You've reached hundreds of children, hundreds of children through the VBS programs that we do here. We did them for years, and we took this year off because, you know, to be honest, we just wore out. But for years, we'd spend thousands on it. And I can remember other churches saying, why are you doing VBS? That's stupid. That's old school. We've moved on from that. Well, you know what? When you see 100 and 150 children gathered together learning about Jesus, when you see 70 volunteers working together to make it heaven, you know what, if that's old school, I want to be old school. You know what I mean? And you were a part of that, and you make that happen. And yes, we spent way too much money to build that giant airplane that, that hung from the thing, for that giant boat that was built here, for that giant spaceship. Yeah, we spent way too much money, and I would spend it again today to reach the world around us. In the Tri-County, you are part of organizing and supporting Love Gave, which was an outreach during the Christmas time for children and for families who were in need. It was you that supported a church in Houston when it flooded and got wiped out because you knew what it felt like. It was you that supported a church in North Carolina after it got flooded and wiped out. It was you this year that supported St. Andrew's financially when it burnt down just a couple weeks ago. It was you that supported a church in Bunce Corner when it got robbed and all of its equipment got stolen. It was you that supported a pastor and his family after their son became gravely and deathly ill. Church, the city of God, you shining the things that you give, the work that you do, impacting and affecting other people's lives. It is you that has been supporting World Vision children through drinking a cup of coffee here at our cafe. It is you that has supported the services of the Bear Foundation, the foster care uh, service here in Charleston, and you've been a part of that over the years, providing for them. For five years, Crosstown, You guys, we together, not just one of us, supported a little school called Capers Prep. It was ordained by God, and for five years, we paid every bill that they had, and Capers Prep is a school for children at risk, particularly who come off of the islands, and when the principal came to the door looking to rent our building, I just happened to be there at the door, and and she told us her story and what the vision of her little school was. And they had about 50 children. They had just lost their location. And I remember her walking in. She says, Pastor, is there any way you can rent us this building? And, and Ben came, comes up and walks next to me. And, and I said, well, just tell me what it is that you do. And she told us what you do. And, and I said, well, that sounds like something we want to be a part of. She goes, great. That would be awesome. And how much would be the rent? And I said, no, we'll do it for five, right there on the spot, we'll do it for five years and we won't charge you a penny. We'll provide all your internet service, all your air conditioning. We'll provide scholarships for the children that come to the school. We'll provide everything for you for five years. She goes, well, don't you have to go talk to the board about it? I said, you're right. You're right. I said, hold on. I said, Ben, could you come here? <laughs> what do you think? This good, again? Yeah, okay. Yeah, we talked about it. And for five years, they were here. Now, they... They got another advantage and moved. Now they're in the building behind us and being able to expand. But, you know, that was you guys. You know, you may have wondered, why why are these children here? You know, why is that sign Capers Prep? And I will tell you this. Over the the last 10 years, I have not bragged enough about what we've been doing. I kind of felt like, yeah, yeah, right hand should know what your left hand's doing. But you know what? He also said, let your good work shine that they may glorify your Father who's in heaven. So you need to know that you've been shining, that what you've been doing, what you've been a part of. And for five years, we spent over, in addition to all that, we spent over $60,000 to make that school work. You say, why? It's Because we're the city of God. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what we can do. We have the, the potential, we have the power, and we have the position, the responsibility to be those people. We have financially supported Pedal for Patterson's Academy for families that have children that are born with severe physical and mental challenges. We've gone through years of supporting families in Angel Tree and and doing things like the infant bottle collection for crisis pregnancy. You have supported a Jordanian church in the Middle East for years. Some of your money goes to support a church in the middle of the Arab nations. You have supported people getting their GEDs here in the Low Country through the Charleston Adult Educational Partnership. You have supported the Star Gospel Mission support. You have started, and just in the last month, we are now, together, collectively, supporting a church that has been started in the rural areas of Texas. And we will be supporting the rising, the, the finances of that church for a few years until they continue to grow and be able to stand on their own. And in addition to all these things, you were there when we had moments of tragedy, of death. You were there when we celebrate together in weddings and birthdays and all the different things that we do together together. Not to mention the countless prayers for strength that have been ushered from you on behalf of one another and others. Not to mention the strength that we have seen, the restoration we've experienced, and the miracles that we have seen of healing that God has moved through his church, through the city of God represented here at Crosstown. And all of this is beyond the weekly interactions we all have with people just needing the love and the truth of God. This is us. This is us. We do this collectively. We are the city of God's shining. We are unstoppable. And I know some of you are sitting like, wow, that's, that's pretty impressive. And I've always wondered what they were doing with our money. You know? Well, there you go. It's why none of us have gotten rich because that's not what any of us were called to do. But I know some of you are suspect, it's like, oh, there's an offering coming after this message, okay? There's no offering coming after this message. God wants you to see you, who you are, what you are a part of. You're not just some Christian person who's trying to hold on to glory, you know? You are a part of the city of God. You have come to the new Jerusalem. You are a part of a cloud of witnesses who experience the grace and the power of God. That's what we are together. We are unstoppable. We have potential power and position, and all of it has been given to us by God to use. And God has chosen the church to do it through. I love America, but you know what? When America's gone, and maybe one day it will be gone, the church will still be here. The church of God has gone through the centuries, through all the political and and national changes that have occurred, and the church of God remains. God has chosen the church, has chosen you and I to shine through. Just think about If, if if you're a guy here today, and this is the way I think it should be, but if a man leaves a room, if I was to leave a room And I knew that those people were going to talk about me or maybe try to carry on something that I had said or whatever it was. What relationship do you think that I would use to best represent me? What relationship in my life would I take and say, hey, could you stay in the room and kind of represent me while I'm out of the room? And I began to think about, all my wonderful friends. Um, Began to think about my children. Really cool kids, really love them, they're awesome. My grandkids. But then I thought, if a man is not in a room, nobody represents a man in a room when he's absent better than his wife, or worse than his wife. I mean, just think. When I've listened to a man walk out of the room and I begin to hear words begin to flow out of his wife's mouth. Nothing will reflect that person or speak m- more loud to the crowd around her than her words speaking about her husband. Ladies, what do you say about your husband when he's not in the room? I mean, just give it a thought. That's kind of a side no, but just think about what you say about him. When he's a- People could come up to me and they could say, oh, man, we were shopping with Susan, and she told us some stories about you, how stupid you were when you were, you know, and I would tell you, you are a liar. And you'd say, no, she's telling us that you were really dumb and you did this. And I would say, no, you're wrong. Why? is because the one person I would pick on this earth to be in a room to represent me when I walk out would be my wife. Because I know exactly what would come out of her heart, her mind, out of her mouth about me. And she would be a trusted person to leave in the room because I know she gets me, she understands me. she's, She's had intimacy with me. She knows what I'm really about. And scripture tells us that Jesus made the exact same choice, that when he went away, he left behind his bride, as the scripture tells us, the bride of Christ. He's left the room and left the best group of people possible to represent him. It is not the Declaration of Independence. It is not the Republican Party. It's not the Democrat Party. It is not one particular nation. The best group of people that he could leave in the room after he walked out of the door was his church, was you and I. We are the world's best hope. And God believes so too. That's the thing. God believes that. And it's like, and I know we're all broken, and I know we're all kind of messed up in our heads. I know if you single any one of us out by ourselves, we're kind of a little weird. I'm a little weird, but when you put us together, when we're walking together in relationship, great things happen around us. I think too many of us view church as a foyer to get into the state of salvation. You gotta go to church to get God to get salvation and then to go into heaven. I think that's really what it is. You go to church to get that, and then you go from getting that to getting, but really, that's not the biblical truth. Salvation is the foyer. Salvation is what you get so that you can pass through to become part of the church, which will, in the end, find its fulfillment in heaven. See, we use salvation as the end game. And for Jesus, no, the end game is not, you know, go to church to get salvation, it's get salvation to get to church. So why is it such an option play for so many of us? If this is the most lasting organization on the planet, if in its truest form, and I know some of you are like, well, what about the popes and the, you know, the holy wars? The holy Wars were wicked. They were evil. Not everything that has been done on planet Earth in the name of Jesus is the church. I think, every, I think we can all tell that. But when we come together, there's something powerful about us, something that will remain. So that when we decide that we're not gonna be a part of this, we forfeit the power of collaboration. We do. When we decide that, you know what, I don't think you need to go to church to be saved. You're exactly right. Because you get saved to be part of the church. Church isn't to get you into the state of salvation. Salvation gets you into the the family, into the city of God where you live life. When we don't discover our gifts, when you and I don't discover our gifts, we deny others the benefits of God. You need to find out what your gifts are. We'll help you find out what your gifts are. Because when you don't use your gifts, then the impact, the collaborative impact of the church is lost. When we don't join a team, we shorten our reach into the world. If we just had a few more people, we could do this. If we had a little bit more money, we could do that. If we could just get more people together to pray, we could accomplish this. And then when we don't become a part of the city of God, and I don't care where it is, my goodness. If you don't do it here, do it at Awakened Church. If you don't do it here, do it at Seacoast. If you don't do it here, do it at St. Thomas's or or you know the Immaculate Conception on Savannah Highway. But there is no option where we don't become a part of each other's lives and we don't make an impact in the world around us. And when we don't help, those who are helping begin to break under the weight that all of us can do together. And each of us are invited to be gifted by God to shine out his love. And everyone matters. I love the writer's, writer of Hebrews description that the city of God is where the righteous, where righteous people are made perfect. Isn't that great? It's not where perfect people become righteous. It's where the righteous, those who have entered into relationship with God, finally experience the perfection of God in their lives. So if you're here and you're perfect, you're not invited. If you're here and you're amazing, you're not invited. But if you're here and you're broken, if you're here and you need the righteousness of God in your life, if you're here and and you've got some weird things about you, you're exactly the kind of person God wants to add and bring about the shining of God in this place. So today it's about entering the city of God and to begin to shine with all of us. Say, so, well, where do I start with this? Well, I, first of all, I mean, our Grow Track that we do. And you say, well, I, you know, what's Grow Track? Well, Grow Track is an opportunity for you to find out the organic picture of what we're doing here. That it's not just Crosstown, it's about you finding your place to serve and discovering what your gifts are. Another way is to become maybe a small group leader. You say, what's so big about that? That's part of the city of God. When you begin to do the work of God in your home, you know, begin leading people, that's the city of God. And we're inviting you to do that as we start up groups in September. Every one of you, we invite you to be part of starting up a group. We're so committed to that. If you even just consider the idea of being a group leader, I'm inviting you to my house on July 4th. And... We're gonna have a party for people who are just considering or maybe people who have led a small group here at Crosstown. We're having a party and I'm calling the party, let's blow up stuff while you think it over party. While you think over whether or not you wanna be a part of what the city of God and what the city of God is doing here in the city of Charleston. So we invite you to be a part of that. Maybe for you, you're hearing God say, it's time for you to serve others through the ministry of this church. Or maybe that you need to ask the church how you can serve in ministries outside of the church. Or how you can serve in secular spaces with the love of God. We wanna help you do that also. Maybe today, if giving is your most abundant resource, maybe for you, time really isn't something that you have, or Maybe your gifts are more in the realm of your financial resources. Then, since you've heard the list of what we've been doing, then give so that we can give in behalf of the Church of Christ so that we can serve on the behalf of the city of God. Maybe your first step will be to join a small group, not even lead it, I get it, but just to meet someone to tell your story, to share your life, to let others help you. Maybe that's your first step into the city of God, that maybe you're bleeding, maybe you're in need of help, and you've been hiding. You don't want anybody to know that you struggle with this, you struggle with that. Let me just tell you here, if you're here, I know almost everybody in this church, and we got every struggle named under the heavens in this building right now. So you don't have to hide anymore. But become a part of what God is doing. Become a part of the city of God. Remember, there is no version of Christianity where God does anything apart from His church. He left His bride in the room when He left. Everything He does, He does through His church. And we act individually in a moment. And we respond collectively in the world around us. The city of God is unstoppable. So when you come up and you receive communion in this moment of expressions, God is empowering you with the bread of life, not just to save your life, but so that you can be a part of the saving of of others' lives. We are the city of God. We are unstoppable. And I'm willing to bet that if you're here and you're tired and you're weary and you're a Christian and maybe you've gone a little dry on the whole Christian thing, I get it. I think every one of us are here. I tell you what, when you're operating in the city of God, when you're a part of what God's doing collectively, it seems to revitalize you. I mean, it just seems to just, all of a sudden you're like, oh, I've been missing this. Why have I been missing this? Is because God said, listen, your faith is not an individual thing. It starts individually, but it, it grows collectively. And when you take that bread in that cup together, we eat and drink together. We do it as the city of God. Let me invite you to just consider what God wants you to do. You're, you're part of this expression of his, of his city, of his bride. He's left you and I, you and I, in the room and he said greater things that we can do than even he did collectively we leverage the effectiveness of christ father we come to this moment and we enter into a moment of communion and prayer a time of reflection lord god to go beyond the foyer of salvation and to begin to say god here's my life Use it. God, help me become a part of the city of God where there is light and life and truth and love and compassion and strength where we have potential and position and power. God, help me to move beyond attending a church and help me and empower me to discover I am the church. We welcome
1: you into this moment with God.